good morning again. If you all walked in after uh, the announcements, I'm Stuart Mazell. I'm the lead pastor here. It's great to see all of you here. Thanks for being here. And again, thanks to all of you who are visiting with us online or listening on our podcast. Hey, we're going through this series that we're calling Navigating a Confusing Culture. And some of the things that we've talked about so far, one of them is that if you're trying to make a decision in the confusing culture that we live in, one of the best things that you can do, probably the first thing you need to do is to start with the good news of Jesus and ask yourself, how does this, the good news of Jesus, apply to my situation, to the decision I have to make? The second thing we've looked at is, Am I loving God in these decisions that I'm trying to make? That's always a good criteria to to look through and say, is what I'm about to do loving God or is it not? And then last week we looked at how loving our neighbor is part of the process where we make the right decision. Yes, we are to make sure it fits with the gospel. We're make sure we love God. We're also to make sure that we're loving our neighbors. And today we are going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17, that I believe will help us even further to help make those decisions wisely and well when we're confused. So again, this is God's word. Uh, Paul wrote it, uh, but the Holy Spirit was leading him to say these words. And so here's what Paul wrote, not only to back then, but to us today. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing with whom you learned it, from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, would you please, by your spirit, give us insight into what you're saying to us by your spirit uh, so that our lives would conform more and more to you, Jesus, and that we would humble ourselves before your truth and seek to live by it for your glory, our good, and the good of people around us. Amen. So last week I mentioned this uh, disease that you can get from a tick bite that causes you to be allergic to meat. That's frightening. But I found out there's another, another, it's not a disease, it's a condition that is also frightening, and it's called DTD. D as in dog. T is in tiger, D is in dog again. D-T-D. Anybody know what that is? It's developmental topographical disorientation. 
That cleared that up for you, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. DT, DTD, developmental topographical disorientation. It means you cannot form a mental map or know your surroundings well enough that you can navigate because things always seem unsure to you. You have no internal compass. And some of you are looking at your spouse and you're saying, yeah, you got that. But no, no, this is really a serious condition. And there's this lady, Mary uh, McLaurin, uh, she did an interview years ago about this. And she tells a story of how when she was younger, she went to a friend's house, and their friend had a dog, and she said, could I walk your dog for you? And they said, sure. And she went out by herself with the dog and walked around in the neighborhood, and suddenly she had no idea where she was. And she's looking around and nothing looks familiar. She had no idea even which direction her friend's house was. She was completely and utterly lost, even though she was only a few blocks away from her friend's house. The only thing that saved her that day was there was a woman outside that she asked, could you tell me where my friend's house is? And the lady guided her there. Think about how scary that would be to have DTD and you not be able to have a compass for where to go no matter where you are and you're always feeling utterly lost. If you think about it, in our society today, in our culture today, many of us, if not most of us, have DTD because we have no idea sometimes which way to go and where to turn. Things are so confusing. We feel utterly and completely lost. A lot of the things that we found familiar are, have been upturned and overturned, and now we cannot figure out which way to turn, which way to go. And it's into that situation into that story of us that we hear the truth of Scripture. Just like Mary, we need someone who will guide us through, tell us where to go, tell us how to live. We need a guide. That guide obviously is God, but how does God guide us? He guides us primarily through Scripture. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Life can be confusing. The Scriptures help us navigate that confusion. Yeah, sure, life is confusing, but the Scriptures help us to navigate that confusion. All we have to do for this is just take a look at verse 16 of this passage that we read a few moments ago. All scripture is breathed out by God. All right, so let's stop there for a moment. So from Genesis to Revelation, everything that we find in scripture, it has been breathed out. Yes, human beings wrote it, but in some mysterious way, by the power of the Spirit, what they wrote 
was what God wanted them to write for not only that church or that person, but for us 2,000 years later. That's what we mean by the inspiration of the scriptures, that everything that God has, that, that we find in scripture, God has breathed it out for us. And notice that all scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for us. It's useful, it's helpful. In what ways is it useful and helpful? It teaches us, it reproves us, it corrects us, and it trains us in the right way to go, the right way to live. The truth is that every single one of us, myself included, we need to be taught. We need to be reproved and corrected. We need to be trained in God's ways. None of us are born into this world having it all down. And we've got it figured out. And none of us who have lived a long life have got it down. And we've got it figured out. We may feel like we do, but we still need to be taught. We still need to be corrected and reproved. We still need to be trained in righteousness. I need to be taught. I've got two theological degrees behind my name, and I've spent years and years and years studying the scriptures as a pastor, but I need to be taught, and I need to be corrected, and I need to be reproved, and I need to be trained. That's the way it is. All of us, we are all sheep that go astray, and we need our good shepherd to tell us, okay, here's what you need to know, here's what you need to do, here's what you haven't been doing right, here's how you can do it better. We all need that. As uh, the psalmist says in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I don't know if any of you have ever been camping out in the woods in the middle of the night and there's no stars, no moon out because it's all cloudy and it's just pitch black dark and then you have to get up to, you know, maybe go to the restroom or something, you know, the restroom. And you walk out and you're, and you're stumbling on bushes. You're stumbling over briars. You're, you're running into trees because you can't see very well, because it's so dark. You need a light to help you find the path to where you need to go. God's word is that path for life to help us to see where we need to go. And in the confusing world we live in, there's a lot of darkness. We need that light to help us to see how to move forward. Now, for the Christian. This should be the primary way that we decide decisions, <laughs> that we decide moral questions. What does God say in his word? What does our culture say is the primary way that we make decisions? You might hear it said in various ways, but I think it really comes down to feelings. Nothing more than feelings. Just that I feel this way, and therefore, this is what I should do. 
I have this emotional reaction to something, and therefore this is what is right for me. I need to, and you hear people say this all the time, I need to follow my heart. In reaction to that, many people, even in the church, have uh, gone the opposite direction, and they've said, no, you need to ignore your feelings, and you need to just be rational, logical, impartial thinker. You need to think rationally and logically about stuff. That's the only way to make a right moral decision. But I want you to know both of those approaches are seriously flawed. Follow your feelings and follow your brain. Both of them will lead you in bad directions. You know why? Well, first of all, it's a false dichotomy. All right, I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but I, I know this is a little, maybe a little bit of a tangential thing, but I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but studies have shown that you can't divide your thinking and your feeling so evenly. Your thinking and your feeling always work together. Think about the person who makes a decision based on their feelings. Are they not thinking? They are. They are thinking. And what they're thinking is stuff like this. They are thinking, my feelings are here for a reason. My feelings have validity. My feelings have a purpose. Those feelings are there for a reason, and so it would be unwise for me to ignore my feelings. See, they're thinking, and they're thinking rationally. But on the other side, the person who thinks and doesn't try to feel, well, you, you, you recognize that you can't do that. Think about it this way. How many of you have ever felt guilt or shame? That guilt and shame causes you to think in certain ways, doesn't it? How many of you have ever felt anger or disgust? That anger and that disgust causes you to think in certain ways, doesn't it? How many of you have ever felt empathy or compassion for someone? That causes you to think in certain ways. Everything, every emotion, every feeling that we have works in tandem with our thoughts. They go together, and we dare not ignore either one of them. They're there for a reason. God made us with both thoughts and feelings. But the problem is we don't ignore our feelings and we don't ignore our thoughts. No, they work together. The real issue behind why thoughts and feelings, following our thoughts, following our feelings, following our brain or following our heart falls apart is that both of them have been infected by sin. Both of them. This is, if you ever heard anyone say the words total depravity, 
They're not trying to say that we're as bad as we could possibly be. What they're trying to say is that in total, our total person has been affected by sin. Every part of us, our feelings, our thinking, our will, every aspect of our life, there is not a place that isn't tainted. So if you think that you're thinking rationally and logically and impartially, you are fooling yourself. Because our thinking has been affected by sin. And if you think, oh, follow my heart because my feelings will never lie to me, you are fooling yourself because your feelings have been affected by sin. The truth is, we need, just like the lady I talked about at the very beginning, we need a guide outside of ourselves, someone who is not a sinner, someone who doesn't have sinful motivations and sinful thoughts. That person is God, and he has given us his word so that we can take our thoughts, and we can take our feelings, and we can go to the scriptures and say what is really right. So, whenever you're making a decision, don't follow your heart. Pay attention to what your heart is saying because it's saying something important and you dare not ignore it because there's a reason why it's there, but take those feelings to the scriptures and find out what God says. And if you're trying to make a decision based on your logic and your reasoning, take take that logic, take that reasoning and go to the scriptures and say, does this make sense according to what God has said? That's what we need, someone outside of ourselves, the scriptures, to guide us. And the truth is, mm, the truth is, the scriptures not only teach us and correct us and train us and rebuke us, but the, the scriptures equip us. Do you see that in this passage? The scriptures equip us for every good work. So you want to do the good work of making the right decision? How do you do that? The scriptures equip you to do that. Think about what Paul says in this passage. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God or the woman in God, of God in this case, may be complete, equipped for every good work. You want to be equipped for every good work? Where do you go? You go to the scriptures. You want to do what God's called you to do? You want to do those good works? Go to the scriptures. The scriptures will equip you. A couple of sermons ago, I talked about loving God and how that's really important for us to ask. Do I love God in this? And several of you have said, but how do I know how to love God? And I'm like, gosh, that's such a great question. I'm glad that you asked it because just wait, we're coming up on that. Here's how you know. Okay, so Jesus says in Matthew 22, 37 through 38, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's the great and first commandment. Okay, so if that's the most important commandment, how do I do that? How do I love God with everything that I am? Well, you start with what God says in his word. Think about the, uh, what we call the Ten Commandments, okay, found in Exodus 20. Exodus 23, you shall have no other gods before me. 
Okay, so there's only one, in living, one true and living God. Anybody else who calls himself a God, anybody else who we might think is a God, they are not the God. They are something lesser. We don't worship them. We only worship one God. All right, Exodus 24 through 5. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness or anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water below, uh, um, under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. In other words, we don't make images of God and then worship that. That's wrong. God says don't do that. There's only one God, and he can't be imaged. So don't try to image him. We are his images. He's made us into his image. So we can't come up with something that really images God. We can't do that. So don't worship anything. Don't make those images and don't worship those images. Uh, Exodus 27. You shall not take the name of your Lord, the, your God, in vain. Not only does this involve not using God's name as a curse word, but it also involves not using the name of God in a flippant way. Exodus 28, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. God created everything in the space of six days, and on the seventh day he rested, and he says, this is the pattern I want for you. And we go, I'd rather not. I'd rather do my work on all seven days. And no wonder, every time I talk to people, I say, they say, I'm busy, I'm tired, I'm burned out. Why? Because we don't take a break. You want to love God? Those are four commands. There are lots more, but they show us how to love God. God created us the way that we're supposed to love him and supposed to obey him, but we go so far away from that, and now God is saying, look, this is what obedience looks like. You want to know what loving God looks like? That's what it looks like. And then in last Sunday's sermon, we saw that we're called to love neighbor. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine, 39, the second greatest command is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Nobody's asked me this one. <laughs> but what does it look like to love a neighbor? How does that look specifically? Well, what does the scripture say? Again, what do the Ten Commandments say? Exodus twenty twelve: honor your father and your mother. Okay, kids. Honor your father and your mother is a way to love your neighbor, to love the neighbors you call your parents. And, and that's not just for the little kids. That's for us older kids, too. We honor our parents. Uh, Exodus 20, 13 through 17, listen to all this. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet. You see how all of those, if you do any of those, they're really not loving your neighbor they're loving yourself, but not loving your neighbor. And then last week, I made some suggestions, like listening. Listening to people is a great way to love them. And you may think, oh, that's some psycho babble that Stuart read, and he's just trying to pass that along. No, that's in the Bible. That's in the scriptures. James 1.19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. You want to love your neighbor? Don't get angry so quickly. Close your mouth once in a while and listen. 
And also talked about how, you know, when we correct people, sometimes we need to make sure that we're saying it in a loving and kind and gentle way. Again, that comes from Scripture. Titus 3, verses 1 through 2. Remind them to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy. Oh man, I love that phrase. To show perfect courtesy toward all people. What do you think the church would be like if we actually did this? We speak evil of no one. We avoid quarreling. We're gentle towards one another and we show perfect courtesy, respect, kindness to all people. Man, I think a revival would have broken out if I see that happening in the church at large. That's the work of the Spirit. Because let's face it, we all are tempted to do the exact opposite of what this does. Right? And so, you want to know how to love neighbor? Go to the Scriptures. It's chock full of how to love God and love neighbor. But I would be remiss I know I've said a lot, but this is the most important part about Scripture that you need to know. This point right here. And if you're like, I'm kind of zoning out because this has gone too long already, zone back in because this is more important than any of the rest. If you get this wrong, you've messed up everything else anyway. Because the major way the scriptures equip us, you want to be equipped to love, yes, you want to be equipped to love God and love neighbor, but the major way the scriptures equip us is making us wise for salvation. Wise for salvation. That is the main way, the major way that scriptures equip us is to make us wise for salvation. Look at what Paul says to Timothy, verses 14 and 15. As for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. What is that? Well, he's getting ready to say, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, with Scripture, which is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. What if you were to make all the right decisions in this life except for one? Would that be enough? And that one is that you decided, I don't want anything to do with the God who created me. Would it be worth it? What if you were to say, I'm going to be right in everything, and that's my greatest desire, is I want to be right about everything, and I want every decision that I make, it's going to be right, because that's what I want. I want to be right. Have you missed something in that? Maybe you have. Maybe what you've missed is the goal isn't to be right in and of ourselves. The goal is to be right with God. God. And the way, the only way we are right with God is through Jesus. Jesus, the God who became flesh. Jesus, the one who took our sin 
our failures, our iniquities, all of our wrong thinking and speaking and doing upon himself at the cross. Jesus, the one who was buried, and with that burial, buried our sins forever. Jesus, the one who rose from the dead so that he would make a new people, a people who were forgiven of their sins, brought into the family of God, and made new creations so that they would live out of love for God and love for people. And no, we're not perfect at it. And yes, we fail at it. But God has begun a good work and he will bring it to completion. And that's our hope. Christian, that is your hope. Not that you're going to get everything right, but that Jesus has already gotten everything right in your place. That Jesus' righteousness is what covers you. That Jesus is the one who his, your sin was placed upon him so that he could give you his righteousness. Jesus was the one who lived perfect, moral, decision-wise. We'll never be that in this life. But Jesus gives us his Holy Spirit to help us to grow in that. So that each and every day we can become more and more of what he wants us to be. Look, if you're not a believer, I want you to hear this. Being right is a good thing, but being right will not save you. Being right will not make you right with God because none of us are right all the time. We all fail. We all fall short. We all miss the mark. We're all like me shooting a bow and arrow. I don't know if you ever watched me shoot a bow and arrow, but it is terrible. I cannot even hit the target. The target's right there. I go and the, the arrow goes anywhere but the target. No matter how I aim. And you can say, well, Stuart, you could practice and you get better. Sure, I could practice and get better, but I'm never going to be able to hit a bullseye every single time, no matter how much I practice. You know why? Because I'm not Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can do things perfectly. He's the only one who had lived a moral life perfectly. And if you want a perfect, right life, you need Jesus. So again, if, if, if you don't believe in Jesus, if you're not trusting in him right now, I, I would just call you to remember you're always going to fall short. You're always going to be left wanting. Jesus will make sure that he takes care of that want, to take care of that need, to take care of that loss because he is everything you really need. And for those of you who are Christians, this still applies to you. Still applies to me. We need Jesus at just as much today as we did when we first believed. And if you don't believe that, you need to go back to the beginning <laughs> and remember, what are, what are we? We're all sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God 
and Jesus is our only hope of salvation. It's not by works that we do. It is all of Jesus, all of grace, all of God's love for us. Man. And so when we're reading the scriptures, if all you're reading is a list of rights and wrongs, of do's and don'ts, of do this but don't do that, live this way but don't live that way, and that's all you're seeing, you're missing it. Because the story of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is we need a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior. And He has come to save us from our sins. Hallelujah. That's what we all need. So your action point. Look, when you're facing confusing issues, know and employ the truth of the scriptures. When you're facing confusing issues and you don't know which way to turn, know the scriptures better. Employ the truth of scriptures better. Uh, Work through the scriptures. But never forget, never forget that it's the heart of scripture is Jesus. And if all you're doing is saying the list of do's and don'ts, you're missing it. Don't ignore the list of do's and don'ts, but don't ignore Jesus. Because he's the one that's going to take you from point A to point new heaven and new earth where you will one day be sinless. And won't that be glorious? So engage in scripture often. Read the scriptures. Listen to the scriptures. Talk with other people about the scriptures. And most of all, look for Jesus in the scriptures. So by the power of the Spirit and in the name of Christ, let's grow, let's grow in applying the Scriptures in every area of our lives. Let me pray for you that you'll be able to do that. Lord, I ask on behalf of these folks who are hearing this message, who are here today or who are listening online, grow us in our knowledge of the Scriptures. Grow us in the truth of the scriptures. Grow us in applying the scriptures to our lives. Grow us in knowing how to love you and love neighbor by seeing what you've written in your scriptures. But most of all, grow us in knowing Jesus. That we would not miss that we need a savior. We need a rescuer. We could do all we could to be better, but we know we will always fall short, but Jesus never falls short. Thank you, Jesus, for being that kind of Savior that saves us from our sins. And by your Holy Spirit, help each one of us, whether believer or not, to grow in that next step to being what you call us to be. For your glory and our good and the good of people around us. Amen.